for me, what travel has done is I've been able to see life in a far different way on an international scale. But what it really comes down to is the human element. It doesn't matter where we live. It doesn't matter what language we speak. It doesn't matter whatever our beliefs, political leanings, religious leanings, whatever it is. We're all human at the end of the day. And there are simple necessities and we love to connect. And that to me is the most powerful thing about travel. Are you ready to uncover your highest purpose, passion, and potential in life? Then you should know the keys to achieving your heart's desires are already in you. Do you have a dream to get in better shape, heal relationships, or even create true financial freedom? Whatever it is, understand that the keys to achieving your heart's desires are already in you. If you're ready to unlock your greatest potential, erase limiting beliefs, and be guided on the journey of creating your dream life, then you're in the right place. This is The Higher Self with your host, Danny Morell. Welcome to this week's episode of The Higher Self. This week, I introduce you to a friend that I met on Instagram, actually, and I've had the pleasure of watching and seeing how she goes about her life. And we're going to have an interesting conversation about travel and why it is so important for you to get out of the box you've created and go explore the world. Welcome, Sarah Dandeshi. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. I'm just off of some whirlwind travel myself, and it's always interesting when you come home and you kind of let it sink in and resonate everything that you've got to had a chance to experience, taste, eat, smell, all of that. So it's a good time, and I'm so excited to be here and chatting with you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I want to get right into it because I know that you know part of reaching our highest self is exploring different parts of the world and experiencing different parts of the world and going on journeys and meeting different people and seeing what it's like to live outside of the little cocoon that we have created called our community or called you know our neighborhood or whatever the case may be. And you seem to do that pretty well. And so I just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit. How did travel start for you? Yeah, great question. So I kind of cheekily will say that travel sort of in my DNA. I'm half Lebanese, so my family on my dad's side, they're all Middle Eastern, live in Europe in the Middle East. And even though I was born in the States, I actually grew up in Saudi Arabia until I was six. So pretty much as soon as that passport came in, I hit the skies, as they, the friendly skies, as they like to say, and pretty much was traveling as I think it, I was something like a month old, not even. And, you know, as an adult, looking back at, you know, traveling as a kid, I took a lot of it for granted. You don't know, you just, you know, you're going and you're experiencing all of these things. But very specifically, I know when I moved back to the United States around the time I was six or seven, and I've always thought about this, but, you know, to be American, but I had never lived in the U.S., I'd never lived in America. And so it was this really interesting concept of that my backyard was never just my backyard. My backyard was the world because at that point at six, seven years old, I had traveled to probably at least 15 different countries. I was always around people that were speaking different languages, had different religious backgrounds. And so at this really young age, I was just already looking at the world in a far bigger way. You know, fast forward to being an adult, you think about things differently. But at the time, I'm really so thankful for that sort of upbringing, because it's just led me to have a far more open mind to everything in life. And you know, and that's what I want to ask you about that open mind, because what I find, and what I remember even growing up, 
is when you go into the inner cities and you go in maybe areas where people can't afford to travel, that's a consciousness and that's an energy. And to me, it feels like people are trapped and they're trapped seeing the world from this little paradigm that they've created. And many people don't know anything outside of it. So if that is, you know, from the perspective of darkness versus light, if darkness, when it comes to travel, is being stuck in an impoverished area where you're never able to leave, and light is you being free to be able to go out and travel the world and experience everything, my question for you is, what has it done for you, right? When you think about it that way, what has it done for you and for your life and for connecting with the highest version of yourself to be able to actually go out and travel and see the world in that way? Well, I think it really comes down to connecting with people on a far different level. And I actually want to touch on how you're talking about this, you know, darkness or maybe the element of some people feel like they can't travel or they're stuck in their sort of neighborhood and that. And what I want to really stress is that travel is a mindset. And I get it. Maybe not everybody has enough funds to go to the Maldives and stay there for two weeks, but that's not what travel is necessarily about. Travel is about having that open mind, having that curiosity. And okay, if we learned anything in the pandemic, maybe where international travel was a bit more restricted, it was how we could explore our backyards and be that maybe going an hour away to go and experience something. Maybe it's just going 30 minutes away. It's the notion of these staycations, rediscovering your neighborhood through a different lens. That to me is travel. And again, what were you doing? All you were really doing is shifting your mindset and looking at what's around you through a new lens. So yes, absolutely take those opportunities to go and travel further and really experience the world. But don't underestimate that you can actually travel very close to home. And it's just about opening your mind in a different way. So for me, what travel has done is I've been able to see life in a far different way on an international scale. But what it really comes down to is the human element. It doesn't matter where we live. It doesn't matter what language we speak. It doesn't matter whatever our beliefs, political leanings, religious leanings, whatever it is, we're all human at the end of the day. And there are simple necessities and we love to connect. And that to me is the most powerful thing about travel. I love that. I love that. And Sarah, I love that you said that travel is a mindset. So if I'm here and I'm, I'm listening to this conversation right now and I'm realizing, oh my God, I don't travel. Like I don't even do a staycation. You know, yeah. even that is tough for me. And I bring this up, Sarah, because that used to be me. You know, I was so focused on building my business and I was so focused on work and I was so focused on doing what I needed to do based off of the paradigm that I was living in. And then one day I thought to myself, man, I got to get out of here. I got to go do something. Right. And so that's what motivated me to buy my RV, to hang out with the kids, so forth and so on. So if I'm stuck in this world where I don't travel, and I don't even allow myself a staycation. How do I get out of that? What would you recommend be my first step? You know, I think it also kind of comes down to, and you brought up this really interesting point, is unplugging. It's just not because I get, I mean, even myself, I worked in hotels for so many years and I always had this side hustle. So imagine having a side hustle while working really weird hours in a hotel. I never took time off. And so even though I was working in travel, I was not traveling and I was not of that mindset. And so what I ended up doing is just planning and it's like, okay, maybe I can't even take a whole day. Maybe it's just an afternoon and an evening and then go and 
explore and just start with baby steps. You know, I happen to live in Los Angeles. I purposely chose where I live. I'm walking distance from a couple of great hikes. And it sounds it sounds so silly and cheesy, especially when we see life in such a bigger scale. But for me, it was like, okay, I had a long day at work and I would unplug and go hike up the hill. And that was traveling in a sense too, because I was changing my environment. I was changing the pace of things. And so maybe, you know, the unglamorous part is that you kind of have to schedule it in. But once you start incorporating it into your life, you'll realize that you need it more. So yeah. I think that's a good I love it, Sarah. You know, while you were talking, I even think about my bike. Like yeah. Even getting on my bike and just like going for a, a little ride. And even that is something interesting. I love totally. that. Totally. So my next question is, is this, how many countries have you visited? So this is another thing that's interesting. And it just goes to show you it's a frame of mind. I actually haven't really visited that many. I think I'm at about 46. And I say that because some people- That's a lot. Okay. Correct. It is a lot. It, it Okay. On one hand, it is a lot, you know, for people that might be like, ah, I've been to like five or 10, but also in the travel space, you've got some country counters out there and those people are, you know, hovering at 90, a hundred, 110. But yeah. So in the scheme of things, is that a thing that people are like, Oh, it's a thing. It's a thing for people to be the youngest person to travel to all the countries in the world. There are people that count their countries. If you happen to follow any like travel influencers online, some will actually say their country count or they're like, Oh, I'm going to country number 98. And I'm like, Oh my, I don't know that I would keep track. But I mean, that's a thing, you know, people enjoy that. So I mean, whatever really kind of floats your boat. But for me, it's all about the experiences. And it's, you know, those are, I count those more than I count the countries. Well, we have a mutual friend, James, James Asquith. On yes, we do. We do. Isn't he the, the youngest person ever to visit he did something all the countries crazy. in the world. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's funny. He and I actually finally met for the first time in a Delta Sky lounge as one would, of course we would meet in an airport, but yeah, he was actually the youngest person in the world to travel to all the countries in the world a couple of years ago. So I don't know if that still exists or if there's somebody else, but he definitely had that title, but yeah, it goes to show you that, you know, you could choose to explore the world in different ways. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And so which is your favorite? If you were to tell me the top three, the top three places that you've ever visited and why, what would be number three? Ooh, ooh, okay. These are always so hard. Okay. Probably number three, I would say Nicaragua. Really? I was not on my list. Yeah. Not, it was like not on my list. I remember I got invited and I'm like, Nica who? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. I obviously knew what Nicaragua was, but I was like, all right, whatever. I had no expectations. And that's actually another interesting thing for me when it comes to traveling is I don't really have that many expectations. And so I'm almost always blown away because you're like, cool, this is great. But just the, the way that the country is like the experience, the lifestyle, it, I was really very impressed. We got to go hike up to the top of a volcano. I mean, it, it was pretty, pretty magical. So I know a very unlikely place that people would be like, wait, what? <laughs> wow, um, Nicaragua. I know. I, right? I, I, haven't been. I haven't been. So that I think I need to check that out. 
What I think is a good way of comparison is for those that really like Costa Rica. Obviously, Costa Rica in more recent years has become very popular, very touristy. Nicaragua is right behind that. So for those that are going to Costa Rica and are like, oh, I remember it 10 years ago. It was so amazing. Go to Nicaragua because it has that vibe that Costa Rica had maybe before, like the influx of so many travelers. So that's kind of, again, why I, I like that. It's off the beaten path that people aren't necessarily thinking about. Good to know. All right. What's number two? Ooh, okay. I would say Antarctica. <laughs> okay. because And again, Antarctica was another place. I mean, you know, country, continent, whatever continent, really. It was not really high on my list, truthfully. I'm not really a fan of the cold. I was like, it seems like it's going to be a pain to get there. It wasn't on my list. And I had the opportunity to go just last year. And I got to actually travel there with my mother. And it was so cool. I have this thing that I do when, whenever I travel anywhere and that I almost like think of the world, think of the globe and I like zoom out. I almost do this like Google maps and zoom out and imagine and really visualize where I am in the world. And it's so incredible because it just reminds us of how, not only how big the world is, but also how small it is as well too. How small, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it puts everything into perspective. Those problems, all those things that you might be like are weighing on you, you know, you think about where you are and it just, it shifts your perspective. And again, that's a huge thing for me for travel. It's like, especially when I'm up in a plane, I always have that window seat looking out because it's like, okay, everything's going to be all right. Not to say that problems aren't real or whatever, but it just puts perspective of the entire world. So Antarctica was pretty amazing. And then number one, probably, oh gosh, that's so hard to say. Oh, I feel like this would probably change like all the time. Goodness, I would probably say, oh, this is so tricky. This is so, so tricky. Indonesia. Interesting as well, too. I don't know. If, I mean, it, it's hard. To, honestly, it's so hard. These are some interesting choices. These are very interesting choices because, I mean, what am I going to say? Paris, Rome, like, which I, I yeah, I was thinking Italy or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Italy's wonderful. Italy's wonderful, but it's like, you know, it's a culture and it's an experience and it's a cuisine and all this that we know and we're used to. And so, what I really love is to go experience people, life, and history. Sri Lanka was also very impressive as well, too. Again, something that you're like looking, and especially if you're visiting old ruins, talk about perspective. We all understand you know, kind of the European history. We're fed that when we're growing up in the States, if we're based in the US. You know, certainly American history. We understand European history. Maybe that's a lot, that's an easy destination that many Americans have gone to. And I'm talking about this specifically through that lens. But then to get to go to someplace like in East Asia, and you're looking at these ruins and you're seeing the timeline and you're understanding that compared to like Roman times and this, and you're like, wow, wow. Human history is so diverse and so fascinating. So to be able to see how cultures and people were built in every corner of the world, that to me is really pretty special. So I had a pretty special a special moment in time there. So that's why that's, that's one of my top favorite places. I felt that in Greece, you know. I felt that when I went to go see the, um, the different temples that were built for the gods. I mean, it was just... Like, wow, thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of years ago, like these humans. Were and how big everything is as well, too. 
I actually just got back from a trip to Germany and I was visiting these smaller cities in Germany. It's kind of part of an organization called the Historic Highlights of Germany. Because let's be honest, you know, when people think about traveling to Europe, Germany might not be one of the first places that people want to go to. They want to go to the sexy places. They want to go to Italy. They want to go to France, Portugal, Greece, whatever. I get it. But there's so much history in Germany. And to get to go and walk, I mean, literally just a week ago, I'm touching walls that have been there, these stones, for a thousand, two thousand years. And you're trying to imagine these people that have built these things. And they were probably little people too. You know, <laughs> They were smaller. You're like, how did this happen? But people dedicated their lives. And that existence is a very different existence to what we live in today, that these people devoted their lives to like cutting stone and putting stone on top of stone. Like, what is that? so different than what we live today. So that's another another way of, you know, how kind of travel opens your mind to so many different things. It really does. So I've got a personal question or a personal request. I'm going to Italy here in a couple of weeks. I'm going by myself. That's another thing, Sarah, I got to ask you this before I go into this. A lot of people don't want to travel because they don't want to go by themselves, right? They feel like they need somebody, they need a partner, whatever the case may be. I travel everywhere by myself. You know, what would you say to that? When I ask you about that, what comes to mind? Well, I don't let having to travel with somebody hold you back. And if it's, and I get it, it's scary. I mean, I too prefer to travel with someone. Now, a couple things, you know, I think sometimes people get wrapped up in the idea, oh, I have to travel with a romantic partner. Well, no, you don't have to travel with a romantic partner. You could just travel with a friend that is like-minded. The other thing is if the notion of, wow, going to Europe by myself is pretty scary. Okay, start closer to home. Do maybe a road trip. Go spend like three days somewhere that's, you know, go to Sedona, go to Napa, go wherever that is. So start closer to home where it's it maybe isn't so foreign and then just slowly work your way up and you discover how you like to travel. But I have to say that if anything, don't let the notion of traveling by yourself hold you back. Now I understand sometimes women feel different about that. It might be different if you're a man, like I, and that's completely part of it. But you know, if you are a conscious being, you know how to behave, you know how to travel safely because you know how to live safely in your home city. So you can just apply those rules, you know, to where you, where you might be traveling to if you're on the road, but definitely don't let it hold you back and then do different things once you're there. Maybe you want to be around people. Maybe you hop into like a little, you know, private tour for the day or a semi-private tour or Facebook groups are a great way that you can like do different meetups with people. So think outside of the box that like you you can have part of your trip be by yourself, but then you can also jump in and join, you know, maybe other groups or meet other people as well, too, if you're looking for that shared connection while you happen to be traveling. And that's that was my next question. I have a route that I'm going to take in Italy and I'm going to start okay. in Rome and I'm going to rent a car. Amazing. And just, just drive the country. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Convertible. And I'm going to end up in Lake Como. And, you know, I was looking at, you know, beautiful five-star hotels to stay at. And some of the nicest ones, they're sold out already. Because I, yes, I guess they are. in the summertime, everybody goes to Italy. So I was thinking, you know, I got a couple lined up, but I was thinking, what a wonderful opportunity to stay in hostels, you know, and to meet different people and to just get myself out of the comfort zone. Because I'm planning on just going with a backpack and just like enjoying the country. What are your thoughts about, you know... Yeah. What are your thoughts about hostels? Because for some people, maybe for people who are on a budget, you know, that's not me. I'm doing it for the experience of it. What are your thoughts about hostels? Hostels, you know, and 
I mean, truthfully, I haven't had too much personal experience with hostels, but I have a lot of very, very close friends that have, and it is a great way to meet people. Also, the really, the big underestimation that people have when they think about hostels, they're like, oh, I'm going to have to have a shared room, shared bathroom, et cetera. That isn't necessarily the case. You can actually still get your own private room. Yeah. And it's a really- I, I don't think I would do it that way. I think yeah, I'd yeah. have to have a private room. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's the whole thing is, is that people, you have those options and there are all different types of hostels. The other thing to keep in mind, because again, if we're approaching this from our mindset, as far as being, you know, Americans in the United States, hostels feel very different than they do in Europe. And in Europe, they are actually pretty popular. And so you have all different levels and ranges. And if you have any question, go take a look online, see how they're rated, see what other people say about them. But it's definitely something that I think I love that you bring that up because it's certainly two ends of the spectrum that you can have that five-star experience, but then you can also do that hostel experience because at the end of the day, and and I grew up pretty much working in five-star hotels, so I get it. But to me, sometimes I'm like, such a shame if what I'm doing for that particular day or two days, if I'm really just looking for a place to sleep, you know, I feel like the whole five-star experience is a little bit lost on me. Because if you're staying in a five-star hotel, you want to experience the hotel, maybe sleep in, have that amazing gourmet breakfast, enjoy all of so, that. So right. You so know, right. so it's like it's if so you right. pick and choose where you spend your finances, you know, and and then you just do your research because it's equally as safe, you know, just you just have to plan it out right. Beautiful, beautiful. So any tips in, in Italy for me? Oh, try everything. <laughs> As in like, eat, you don't eat everything. Eat, and because I know that sounds actually like silly and cheesy to say, but I mean, you're there, you're immersing yourself. I think what you're doing for, for Italy is probably one of the best ways to experience the country. I did a similar thing actually just in Germany. We were driving in the Autobahn and like doing basically a road trip in another country. And I get this. A lot of people get nervous because they're like, oh, I don't speak Italian. I don't speak the language. A lot. I think people will be very relieved or will be impressed to find out that a lot more people speak English than you would think. And sure. even if it isn't, sure. you know, an extravagant English, it's enough to get by. And yeah. And you can do that. And I think, Sarah, that's part of you just being comfortable with yourself and knowing that there's always a solution. You know, there's always a roadblock, right? There's always an obstacle. There's always a reason why not. In the same way, there's always a solution. Yeah. And when you're a solution-based thinker and a solution-based human being, you know, even if you, you have to use hand signals, you'll find a way. Well, and I always say, I was like, that's my concierge brain thinking, because think about it. And that's, as a concierge, people would come to me with problems, requests, etc. And sometimes, you know, I had to figure out the how to get that option or how to, to figure it out. So I've always been thinking, it's like, okay, maybe the most direct way or the most obvious way isn't working but how else can we get there? And so if you apply that, I always like to say, it's like, you want to think like a concierge, you know, when you're traveling and it's like, you have a certain amount booked and planned. And, and even just even just touch on this, I have this planning rule of threes, plan no more than three things in a day. And I say this because, especially as people are thinking about that, is it gives you structure. So you don't just like, oh gosh, I wasted a day or, or whatever. Or you're not realizing, you're not maybe putting two and two together. Like, okay, I really want to go to this museum, but it's closed on Tuesdays and you haven't thought that through. But so do a bit of planning, but plan no more than three things. So it gives you structure, but it gives you breathing room and it gives you breathing room to find those moments to discover something that you might not have ever 
thought that you would have discovered to interact with people, go have a drink with a stranger, or just go have a drink by yourself and then meet somebody at the bar, whatever that might be. So yeah, that's kind of, that's my whole thing when it comes to traveling is like, plan just a bit, but then leave room to just play. Yeah. You know, I don't drink and I'm vegan, but I have decided that in Italy, there's no way I'm not going to have an incredible glass of wine or two or three or four or five. <laughs> and there's no way, there's no way I'm not going to have pizza. There's just no way. I yeah. Just, yeah. I just have to. Well, I'm vegetarian and I have to say there have been a couple of moments in my life that it's like, okay, I happen to be in Santiago, Chile, and I'm taken to this amazing fish restaurant. And I'm like, I'm going to have Chilean sea bass because I'm here. And this is like, this this makes sense. So, I mean, I think that that's also, you bring up a really good point because again, we choose different lifestyles and some of them might be, I don't want to say rigid. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's more of like use travel to go outside of what your comfort zone is just a little bit so that you can. And that's why I said at the beginning, what did you say? Do you have advice for me? I said, try everything. Got it. Because it, it, yeah, that's the whole thing is like, if not, what are you going to do? Hold back. I mean, obviously you want to be responsible and within reason, but it's like, try something there because you might discover something new or it it just, again, is really, oh, as we can say, when in Rome, (laughs) do as the Romans do. Exactly. So... That's a great one. Sarah, my final question. You have a book that's coming out, right? I do. I do. I have a book. It's it's out. It is out already. Amazon bestseller in two different categories. Well, three technically, but in the service industry, as well as hospitality, travel, and tourism. Hospitality from within. I ended up writing this book, and you can kind of probably tell from the the name of it. It's like, okay, what is hospitality from within? But, you know, for almost 18 years, I worked in luxury five-star hotels. So I always would say I worked on the front lines of travel. I was working with travelers and I worked with pretty affluent travelers as well too. And I'll come back to the one part, but when it comes to delivering service, it was all about how do you tap into this genuine service, this want of, you know, helping somebody curate this magical moment and that. And so it really is How do you form these genuine connections with people? And that is what ultimately drives hospitality. So even though it's through the lens of somebody that's worked in hotels, any business that has customers, there is an element of hospitality. So I think anybody, whatever your business might be, can learn something from this book because you're you're taking the sort of key elements from those that do hospitality best, those five-star hotels, but then picking and choosing what kind of works for you and how you can really deliver those special moments where your guest, your customer really, you know, feels special. They feel heard and it brings, it makes it it encourages them to come back because again, when you're looking at these five-star hotels, they have the highest number of repeat customers, repeat guests, and they come back. Why? You have beautiful marble floors, high-end linens anywhere, but they come back for the people and how they're made to feel. So that's what the book is about. But just another quick thing actually about travel and why it kind of trained me to think about things differently is again, I was working in these very five-star environments, people that had everything. And sometimes, and quite honestly, most of them were miserable. And it was all about how to shift their mindset to get them to explore and to do things a little bit differently. That it wasn't necessarily like the highest, most extravagant restaurants that like really got them going. It was these different special moments that they had, these connections. So yeah, that's really what was pretty special to get to work there and do that. That's awesome. 
Beautiful. So Hospitality from Within is the book. And Sarah, how do they get a hold of you? What is your Instagram handle? Perfect. My pretty much my handle across all platforms is Ask a Concierge. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn as Sarah Dandishi. And if you want to check out the book, the website is hospitalityfromwithin.com or you can go to Amazon and put that in and check it out. I appreciate you so much for uh, spending a couple moments with us this week. If you're out there listening, I want to challenge you. We've got, at the time of this recording, six full months left in the year. Go plan a trip or two or three or four or maybe one a month. I know that I'm going to Italy in July. In August, I'm taking my boys to Bali. And in September, I'm I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep traveling and keep reminding all of you, our listeners, to keep doing the same because life is meant to be lived and to be enjoyed. So get out there and do it. So Sarah, thank you so much. It was awesome speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon and we'll see you all next week. A friendly reminder that as you hear and listen to these incredible stories of transformation in our podcast, what's drawing you and what's connecting to your heart and making you feel what you feel when you hear them is your future self. Because what you're actually listening to is your story. It's your story of transformation. After all, we're all one. So anything that someone else experiences resonates with you because you probably have experienced it as well. A breakthrough that someone else experiences is probably resonating with you because it's the breakthrough that you're ready to have yourself. All you need is a little bit of guidance and a little bit of courage to accept the guidance. And so we want to invite you to visit our website on morelglobal.com and click on the button that says help me with, and you'll see how we can help you on either your business development or your personal development.